What's going on, everyone? It's Cole Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for the 14th of August, 2019. What's going on? How are you? Most importantly, how you doing? How you doing? Uh, taking care of yourself. I know I've got a few friends out there at the moment that uh, are struggling at the moment with, um, you know, taking a bit, a bit of self-care and um, taking time out for themselves, but, you know, they, they, are, they are doing that, and... Um, it seems to be going well for them. I seem to be having a few issues of my own uh, recently that um, that I might need to take some time out, um, even though I don't really do much in terms of like a job or anything like that. Um, I, I do work at the race course, but uh, other than that, um, I just write, I just sit down and, and, and uh, watch movies and write. And uh, I'm not really doing much uh, to try to keep my brain occupied. And uh, believe it or not, writing does get, even though I love it so much, um, you can only, um, sometimes you can run out of steam and then you can try, have to find a way to get yourself back into it. So I've been trying to find ways to, um, even though I've never before done it, uh, meditate. Uh, but I've been trying to find ways to meditate. And... Uh, uh, different, 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 I guess, methods I could use to um, take my take my mind off things. I, I thought I needed some sort of spa day, but I think I just need to do clean my mind uh, mentally. And sometimes it's just good to do that um, because you, I, I like constantly thinking about a lot of things and uh, a lot of things on my mind, whether it's personal, whether it's whether it's creative stuff getting stuck. Um, but it's always ended up being. Um, I haven't, I haven't really sat down and done anything about it, um, but only this this last week was when I kind of looked, had, took a look at myself and I was like, well, we might uh, see if we, so we can do something about that. <laughs> so uh, I've been looking at different methods. If you have any methods that you want to give me, um, just shoot the case in the Beavis Podcast Instagram page. Um, just shoot it out DM my way. And I uh, would love to hear suggestions about of ways you can try to keep yourself sane mentally or, you know, just trying to, you know, take a break of things, having, having a bit of a break. Uh, meditation techniques as well, I'm looking for. I uh, would love that, but because at the moment, just, uh, uh, it all seems a bit chaotic. It's, it's, even though it's not really doing anything, it's all, it's all happening mentally, I guess. Um, on today's show... We're going to be talking about uh, Hobbs and Shaw and uh, Brightburn. Um, I, I mentioned uh, my story last night on Instagram. They'll be doing two podcasts this week. I'll be doing uh, Hobbs and Shaw and um, and Brightburn today. And then on Friday, because tomorrow is the big day, we're going to Sydney to watch Once Upon a Time in Hollywood on 35mm screens. Uh, on, on the 35mm screen in, uh, in Sydney, the Ritz Cinema Ranwick. Um, very, very keen for that. Uh, massive Tarantino fan. Uh, people have been asking me if I'm going to do a Tarantino kind of centric podcast. Uh, I'm not too sure if I don't know if I'm going to do that yet because I'm also before seeing Once Upon a Time in Hollywood because it's not playing here in Newcastle. I'll be watching Midsummer as well. Ari Aster's new movie, um, his follow up from Hereditary. So, um, I. Uh, I don't know if I'll do a um, Tarantino thing. There seems to be a lot of people on the internet right now doing their Tarantino top 10s and everything. Um, well, I should say top 9, sorry, not top 10. Um, doing their kind of their uh, top tier lists. 
so I, I don't know if I'll do that. Maybe I'll, I might do it. I don't know because I do want to talk about. I know that Midsummer's going to be. There's going to be a lot to talk about there in Midsummer. So Friday might be a bit of a longer episode. Uh, whereas today it might be a bit shorter because we're only going to talk about Hobbs and Shaw and Brightburn. I do have a lot of movies that I do need to see, but these are the two I kind of picked out for today's podcast. So uh, without further ado, let's get onto it. Uh, I want to start with Brightburn. Uh, now Brightburn, this kind of came out of nowhere. This I didn't really know this was getting made. Um, oh, oh I, haven't even got, I haven't even got the bloody thing up. Uh, I didn't even know this was getting made. It just kind of the trailer kind of dropped out of nowhere. I didn't see any posters or anything for it. Uh, I only saw this the trailer, and then it uh, it saying that uh, it was produced by James Gunn, and uh, it was amidst like all the um, controversy which happened on James Gunn after he had those um, had been fired from working on the um, uh, the uh, Guardians of the Galaxy trilogy, but now he's back, which is fantastic. Um, but he has been producing a lot of movies as well, and uh, Brightburn seems to be one of them. Um, Darryl, David Yarovesky, the director, is a, uh, a friend of um, of James, and our writers, Brian Gunn and Mark Gunn, are also close collaborators of James. And uh, Brightburn is the kind of a, a evil take on Superman, so it's pretty much if Superman was a uh, a villain, or if he was a uh, force to be reckoned with, but not a, an ally, more of a uh, an evil kind of uh, overlord. Um, we have Jackson A. Dunn playing um, Brendan Breyer, and uh, the story is that pretty much Brandon kind of uh, lands in a spaceship. In the middle of, uh, I think it's Kansas, Brightburn, Kansas, um, which is why it's called Brightburn. Uh, it lands in a trailer now uh, in, in a uh, farm, and uh, the Tori and Kyle, funnily enough, um, Tori and Kyle have been trying for a baby, and then one night the baby lands in the spaceship and lands uh, behind the um, uh, behind the barn in the farm, and uh, they go to rescue it, and they raise the baby, not knowing, um, well, I guess. Well, I won't say anything, but not... They raise... Let's just say they raise the child, and uh, once he becomes of age, I think it's 12 years old, uh, that's when things start to hit the fan, I guess. Um, now, this was actually billed as a, a superhero horror movie. And um, right off the bat, I won't say it's a horror movie. I'll say it's a thriller. Um, there's a lot of... Um, I mean, it's scary that your son is, um, you know, doing that, um, that your son, like, imagining that you're, uh, you know, waking up and then your, your son becoming this kind of evil force, I mean, they do know that their son is supernatural and special, but they don't know how much evil it lays inside of him, um, yeah, so, uh, I, I wouldn't say it's a horror, because there is, I mean, there's a few, could be a few jump scares, but it is, I think this is mostly, I would build this as a, more of a thriller sci-fi. Um, there's a lot of kind of spooky elements to it, but I wouldn't really call it, I wouldn't say it's a scary movie. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't go ahead and say like, no, this is, 
this is actually definitely a very scary movie. There's, there's a few scenes here and there, but it's mostly um, pretty graphic, I will say. It's pretty graphic, gory. So if you're getting into this movie, just know that you're going to see a lot of gore and a lot of graphic violence. Um, there's, there's a scene specifically where there's a character who is actually plays Badger in, um, in um, fucking Breaking Bad. <laughs> uh, Matt Jones, who plays Badger in Breaking Bad, uh, there's a scene where him in, in a car, and I'll say that, that he gets levitated off the ground, and that's all I'll leave you with, because uh, that scene was, wow, that scene was incredibly gory. <laughs> um, but I won't, I will say though, those effects looked really, really good. I mean, uh, there's a few dodgy CGI elements in there as well, but I think this film's only a small budgeted film anyway. Um, I believe it was only made uh, on um, like, seven to ten million dollars or something um so that's really really cool for a um, film like this and you can definitely tell that there is a bit of low budget elements in there the cgi is very bit dodgy um is a bit dodgy at times um but uh there's there's a lot of um really rapid movement with this superhero Uh, but it's a gorgeous looking film i will say it is a gorgeous looking film um i think the performances from elizabeth banks and um uh, David Denham, I always forget his, his name, Buddy Roy, Buddy Roy from The Office, um, David Denham, who plays Kyle and Tori Breyer, um, or Breyer, Breyer, however you say it, uh, they, they were really good, they were really good as the parents, I just wish there was more kind of meat to their characters, or I really liked the conflict of Tori not wanting to, um, not wanting to hurt Brandon, always being, you know, him always being her child and everything, wanting to look after him, even though he turns out to be this psychopath. Um, and Kyle and them kind of pitting, pitting the parents against each other to really, if they really want to do, what, what they want to do, let's just say the choices that they want to make with this, with this uh, entity <laughs> that is their son. Um, I really liked that. I just, but I wish there was just a little bit more meat to their characters. Everything also just starts so quickly as well. It's only a ninety-minute film. Uh, I just wish there. I, I don't usually say this with stuff recently, but I just wish it was just a bit longer. Um, I'd say maybe like ten minutes longer or something like that. There, I sh- there could be some more ten or fifteen minutes. There could be some more time to develop the characters a bit. Um, but it's very rushed and it's very go go go. And then it turns out to be kind of by the numbers anyway. Uh, so it kind of, it did kind of come and went when it came out. And, um, but look, I, I didn't think it was terrible. I didn't think it was bad. I actually quite quite enjoyed myself. As I said, I like the gore effects, I like the performances from Elizabeth Banks and uh, David Denham. And even Jackson A. Dunn does a really good job of, um, uh, of, of portraying Brandon. And um, this just this killer, this supernatural killer. And uh, really was a big fan of the um, gore and the graphic sequences in this film because I'll tell you what, there are some graphic sequences in this movie. So um, just want to give you a warning when you go on into this one. Just know that you're, it's, it's very, it's it's going to get bloody. <laughs> I'll say that. It's not it's not your average superhero film. It's not, you're not going to get your kind of no blood PG violence. This is all out an R-rated film. So um, just know that when you're getting into there. Um, but uh, like overall, I'd probably recommend it. Um, you're not going to waste your time with this one. I think it's an interesting take on Superman and that character. 
Um, and I'll be interested to see if if, it, if uh, Yaravesky does get a sequel. Um, if he does, I think he knows what he's going to do. I've seen a lot of interviews with him, and uh, I think he knows what he's going to do with the character next. And there seems to be even more people. Um, I don't, I don't, I don't really know, but uh, I think he wants to put, he wants to develop the story a bit. Like he wants to obviously continue the story, but he wants to put more stuff into it. Uh, but without spoiling it, um, the end credits kind of foreshadow that. And there's a really lovely cameo in the end credits as well. That's uh, really good too. Um, love that, love, love that cameo. So yeah, yeah, I, I'd give uh, Brightburn a go. Um, if you want something different to watch, if you kind of, if you want to kind of get away from the superhero stuff, kind of want to, but want to kind of stay into it, just watch something just a bit different, uh, Brightburn might be that itch to scratch for you. All right, let's get dumb. Let's get stupid. But let's also have a little bit of fun. When uh, Fast and Furious 8 come out, the Fate of the Furious come out, everyone's kind of, I would say everyone's favorite element of that film was the chemistry between The Rock and Jason Statham, um, who was uh, Luke Hobbs and uh, Deckard Shaw. And uh, of course, when The Rock announced that there was going to be a Hobbs and Shaw spinoff, everyone was a bit like, really, do we need that? Or maybe that could be cool, that could be fun. Uh, and then we found out we're getting a director. We're getting David Leach, who is uh, one half of the uh, John Wick director directors, and then he directed uh, Deadpool two. Got Deadpool two, and then he got uh, this film. Uh, but we were talking about David Leach actually a bit later in the podcast as well. Uh, but now uh, he's been given. He was given Hobson Shaw to do, and oh my god, this movie! <laughs> this movie is the dumbest thing I've seen in years. This movie is insanely dumb, insanely stupid, completely, could be completely, uh, seems completely plotless. There's, there's, you could pick this part to the bone, um, but I had a fucking good time watching this movie. Um, the Rock and Jason Statham bounce so well at off each other the be- the favorite the best parts of this movie are not even the action scenes it's it's the insults and the back and forth between the rock and jason statham uh or if you want to go professional dwayne johnson um are the uh, the back and forth between them and uh, very very funny stuff a lot of dick jokes a lot of dick jokes i'll say that um uh, sorry that was uh that was my bloody phone going off then. I should have put that on silent. <laughs> if you didn't recognise that, that was prob- that was the uh, Sheikah Slate from uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild, which I'm playing at the moment. Fantastic game. If you have a Nintendo Switch, definitely make sure you get that, especially if you're a fan of the uh, Legend of Zelda series. Anyway, back to Hobbs and Shaw. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's... Um, it's, it's just, it's, this movie's insane. It's just crazy. It's just fucking insane. Uh, there's action sequences nearly every minute. Um, Idris Elba plays Black Superman. He says it in the film. He's Black Superman. And he really is Black Superman. Um, I really like the addition of a Vanessa Kirby. I really, really like Vanessa Kirby. Um, I loved her Mission Impossible 6 um, Fallout. And uh, as the... Uh, I think her name was the White Widow or something. And she was really good in that film. She, she, she showed her action chops a bit. She gets to do a bit, a lot more to do in this movie. Um, 
And I loved it. I loved how she was kind of like, not front and center, but she had a, she had a lot to do. She was given a lot of stuff to do. And the stunts really, really looked, looked really good. The action sequences look very exciting as well. Um, but, oh my God. If, if you want to pick this movie apart, you could. Uh, you could destroy this movie. You could decimate this film in terms of script and just things the fucking logic of everything um but this movie just defies all logic bloody cow in the background there um this movie just um just defies everything but the good thing about this film is it knows what it is it um and it just goes all out it just fucking goes all out like fast and furious 10 should fucking definitely go to space i believe it should go to space (laughs) they will go to space i think uh we might even get a crazy one in nine but they would definitely go to space um, there's a few people I've talked to actually that, that wanted them to kind of stay serious with it all, but, oh man, how are you going to stay serious with the, with characters like this and ridiculous situations and a crazy plot that is extremely reminiscent of Mission Impossible 2? So, because this film also involves a virus, um, and as we know, as we all know, um, that... You know, Mission Impossible fans know that number two is the one with the virus. Uh, well, there's quite a few with the virus, I think. Number three has a virus, I think, in it as well. Um, and number two is definitely, like, the least liked one. I know a few people that did like John Woo's kind of take on Mission Impossible, but I wasn't really a fan of it. A lot of doves, a lot of motorcycles, and a lot of slow motion. But uh, So that wasn't really my kind of cup of tea. But I'll tell you what is my cup of tea. Uh, two, <laughs> two big men taking their shirts off fighting uh and just saying shit to it just insulting each other like kind of like playground insults really and um doing dope shit in the process and knowing and then having the, establishing that tone and then just keeping that really consistent throughout the movie um uh, i didn't think it tried to get serious at times um but I was fond of it. My only gripe, I'd say, this movie is almost two hours and 20 minutes long. I'd definitely shave off maybe 10, I'd say, I'd say maybe 10, 15. But I'll tell you what, I didn't feel the length as much as I did with any other, any other uh, films in kind of, kind of the genre that move on too long. I think Fate of the Furious went on for way too long as well. Um, and I kind of felt the uh, length there. I didn't really, to be honest, I didn't feel it here because I was so consistently entertained by these crazy, just insane action sequences, um, particularly ones involving a a kind of a motorcycle that transforms into just things, just transforms and wants to, I guess. Um, The the last action set piece is crazy as well, um, taking place in Samoa. And, uh, yeah, I would, I'd probably show about 10 minutes, but I wouldn't go any more than that. I was consistently entertained throughout the whole film. Um, I loved Dwayne Johnson and, um, Jason Staffan's back and forth, um, their, um, their banter back and forth. I loved the addition of Vanessa Kirby. Idris Elba was perfect in this movie as well. Um, he knows, everyone knows what they're doing. Everyone knows what kind of movie this is and they're having fun doing it. So, Damn, I gotta give Hobbs and Shaw. It's it's a big recommendation for me. If if you want to see a crazy, crazy film that is absolutely ridiculous, stupid to the brim, and just but have just have such a dope, fun time, um, Hobbs and Shaw, man, 
definitely go watch that. Uh, but if you don't, if you don't want, to, if you don't want that, if you want a heavy plot, good script, characters that make sense, situations that seem logical, um, and you don't really want to suspend your disbelief, I'm sorry, this is not going to be the film for you. You're not going to have a good time with this. You're not going to enjoy it. And people that did go into this film expecting that didn't enjoy it. Uh, but I, I just I want to say that I, I don't think they saw that this film knew what it was. It was a dumb. It was like a cartoon. It was honestly like a watching a cartoon on like Nickelodeon or Cartoon Network. It was insane. Um, it was crazy, man. <laughs> so uh, if you want that kind of stuff, definitely go watch this one. If you don't like that kind of stuff, I'd say steer away from this and watch something a bit more serious. Uh, that's kind of my advice. So those are the two movies I want to talk about today, but I want to kind of get into, um, I want to talk about a bit of news before we let, leave off here. Um, sadly, what's been reported on August 7th, 2019 was Anna Perna, who just recently released Booksmart. Anna Perna are facing chapter 11 bankruptcy if they don't get a bailout from uh, Larry Ellison. Um, they've had a lot of misfires, apparently. Um, with their box office films. Um, I know that last Christmas, Vice and If Bill Street Could Talk didn't make enough money because these huge blockbusters were already taking the money from them while, while they're in cinemas. Um, I mean, it just goes to show that big studio blockbusters are the things that are obviously making money nowadays and not these kind of independent releases. Um, so the article says, it's on IndieWire.com, the article says, Annapurna is facing Chapter 11 bankruptcy after burning through nearly all of the $350 million credit facility it, it secured in fall 2017. Um, now, the only way it can uh, avoid potential bankruptcy is if it gets bailed out by billionaire Larry Ellison, who is um, uh, Megan Ellison's father, who Megan Ellison is the... Uh, founder of Annapurna, and I believe that's her father. Um, the article, article didn't really go on to say, but I believe that's her father. Um, now, Larry is the seventh richest individual in the world with a fortune estimated at $70 billion. Um, but, so the senior leaders were considering filing for bankruptcy and have made extensive preparations to do so in Delaware, California. And uh, the report states that Chapter 11 bankruptcy will be necessary if Ellison does not provide financial relief from the struggling production company. And uh, that's just... I mean, it's, it's... it's If you want to look at it in a cynical way, you kind of could say, like, well, that's just how it goes because these studio blockbusters, these massive studios like Universal Studios and um, you know, Paramount and things like that, big, big companies like that, um, I mean, they're the ones that are winning, that are getting all the money, really. They're the ones that are get, I mean, Disney. Disney's a big one because Disney just acquired Fox. So let's just say Disney. Um, they're the ones that are making all the money at the moment. Disney nearly owns most of the box office. So, unfortunately, these really, um, these small independent production companies are, are unfortunately losing money when they go up against these, these uh, big hitters at the box office. Um, I know that Booksmart, for example, struggled at the box office, even though that, that was an incredible film. Um, one of my favorites of the year. Probably is still maybe top. I don't, I don't really know. Maybe I need to reevaluate my list. But um, I know that Booksmart wasn't really... 
it didn't do well because I think that's the same weekend. It was coming out the same weekend either Infin- um, Endgame came out um, or Shazam. Uh, no, not Shazam. I think it was Endgame. It was around April, May. John Wick Chapter 3, maybe? Um, I just know that it, it was it was losing money. It didn't, it didn't do well at the box office. And because of that, it hasn't done... Um, it hasn't done so well. Um, I also know that um, Catherine Bigelow, also she works with Vanderpoona a lot. She did um, Zero Dark Thirty with them. Um, I know she did Detroit with them as well. And uh, we've also got our good filmmakers like Harmony Corinne, who did Spring Breakers, recently did The Beach Bum. And um, even bloody Spike Jones as well has worked with... Um, um, Annapurna, and um, I just recently watched, um, it's mentioned in this article here, um, The Master, uh, Paul Thomas Anderson's The Master was done, was distributed by um, Annapurna as well. And that movie is fucking awesome. That movie was just really good. Um, might be my favourite PTA film, I don't know. I, I really like Boogie Nights and I really love Phantom Thread, but holy shit. <laughs> That might be my new one. Um, it's it's really weird to. It also says here down the bottom, it says that it's only kind of movie that turned a profit was a. I mean, a, a really wacky, like a really wacky film that not many people saw, but turns out made a lot of money. Um, Boots Riley, sorry to bother you which was, again, one of my favorites from last year, but it also was just a very, very wacky and kind of inaccessible film for most general audiences. Um, so, yeah, I don't really... Yeah. I just came off the odd to me, but you know, that's just that's just what has, uh, is reported here. Um, but they were really having their troubles around Christmas when um, Barry Jenkins released... Um, you know, he had, he had If Bill Street Could Talk come out... Karen Kasama bring out um, Destroyer and Vice came out from Adam McKay and they were all distributed by Annapurna and they lost they lost a lot of them in the box office because again they were going up against a lot of big studio movies uh, Vice was a 15 million dollar bomb and maybe even 20 million dollars as well uh, Beale Street lost between eight to ten million for the company, while Destroyer was a seven million dollar misfire. Um, but the Sisters Brothers, um, Jack Ware's Old Yards uh, film, which also is a good film with uh, John C. Riley and uh, Jake Gil- Jake Gil- Jake Sorry about that. Uh, John C. Riley, Jake Gyllenhaal, Joaquin Phoenix, also a really cool kind of western film. Uh, different western film though, very slow, but also kind of immersive at the same time. I really liked that movie. Uh, Riz Ahmed was also on that one. Um, the Sisters Brothers, uh, it came out last December to just one million at the box office, despite it having a nearly $40 million budget. Um, and then their, trip, their troubles continued this year when Booksmart came out, um, even though that Booksmart was critically acclaimed. It uh, opened over the Memorial Day weekend, and it's only made $22 million, uh, which is not, apparently it's not bad for an indie. I don't really, I don't think that's not, not bad at all for that kind of film, but um, not really a big, um, not a big success. 
Um, and then it says here, Annapurna still has Richard Linklater's Where'd You Go, Bernadette, set for release on August 16th. So, um, we don't... At the moment, I don't really know what's going on. This was uh, August 7th, 2019, this report came out. So the only reason I'm, I'm doing this is because not really not many people are talking about it. And as you, as you guys know, I'm a big supporter of independent film. So um, I wanted to just kind of delve into it a bit. Because Annapurna has actually released, you know, I mean, these films here are some of my favorite movies from the last few years. So, um, and it turns out they've been distributed by, by Annapurna Pictures. And uh, it's just sad to hear that um, they might be entering Chapter 11 bankruptcy if, the, um, if Ellison does not buy the company, um, if, if it doesn't bail them out. And they will go, I mean, they're going to go bankrupt. They're, they're gone. So, yeah, that's kind of sad. Um, that is very disheartening as well for independent film. Um, not knowing that you're going to be beaten by all these... Um, I mean, you could... You, you, it's kind of like the little engine that could, and then when you finally get on the tracks, there's a uh, there's a two-split... There's a way... I mean, there's a two-way kind of track, and then you can take one way. You got to get hit by a studio blockbuster. The other way is, the other way is kind of like a free weekend you get success and then the other way is being a bit of a, uh, you know, you're going to get hit by Avengers, um, Avengers Endgame and fucking, uh, you know, uh, superhero films. Let's just say the big superhero films because of the biggest sweeping movies at the moment. I mean, our biggest movie of the year, of course, is Avengers Endgame and other films like Shazam are, are, um, are winning are making the big bucks at the moment. Um, look at this. Our top 2019 movies right now. Look on blockboxofficemojo.com. Our top 10 movies, our top 2019 movies are Avengers Endgame, uh, The Lion King, Captain Marvel, Toy Story 4, Spider-Man Far From Home. The top five are all Disney films. And if we go to a full kind of chart here, Number six, Aladdin, another Disney film. Uh, Us is, is not not Disney, Universal, but uh, again, a big studio, Universal. Uh, John Wick three, Lionsgate. You could you could say that's a big uh, a big uh, um, uh, fuck um, <laughs> studio. Sorry, the word was escaping my mouth. Um, Spraying my brain. Sorry. Uh, big studio. Um, also, Lionsgate, um, they brought out uh, Drag Across Concrete earlier this year as well. And I don't think that movie did well. Um, and it's but it's coming out September here. I've already seen it because it was released on Amazon. So um, I think that uh, Zala, Craig Zala, wanted to release it on Amazon. And it came out then. Um, How to Train Your Dragon, Hidden World, Universal. Secret Life of Pets 2, Universal. Uh, Pokemon Detective Pikachu, Warner Brothers. That's another big company right here. Shazam, Warner Brothers, Dumbo. Yep, D Disney, Universal, Universal, Warner Brothers. So our top, let's just say our top ten are all big studio films. Whereas you have, I mean, Jesus Christ, all Disney in our top, almost top seven. That's how we're getting there. We're getting closer to Disney owning 
the majority of the box office. They will earn the majority of the box office in 2019. It's definitely, that is definite. And um, before long, Disney will probably buy most companies and then they'll end up owning almost, I'd say, 90% of the box office. I'm going to go as far as that. Look, I'm going to say it. So it's going to be, I'll just say it is extremely hard for these independent production companies to, you know, kind of take off and, and, uh, you know, and make money when you're surrounded by just huge studio blockbusters and studios like these ones and films that just get all the butts in the seats. Um, so it's just unfortunate to hear. Um, I just wanted to, I just wanted to bring some light to it because there's not many people talking about it and, uh, I just wanted to let you guys, um, if you wanted to hear about it, just want to let you guys know about it because, um. It's just, it's just kind of, it's, it's sad to see. It is a sad thing to know that another independent studio is shutting down. Um, but the fact of the matter is that it's just not making the money, and that's because of heavy competition from these big studios, and that's just something that's just unavoidable, I guess, in this, in this uh, day and age of, of cinema. Um. Right, to transition to from, from that to a kind of uh, subject that most people know about, and it's talking about superheroes. <laughs> um, seems to be a kind of superhero-centric podcast. A little ironic talking about Annapurna before this, but we're going to talk about Deadpool 3 um, now because David Leach, when promoting Hobbs and Shaw, has, said, has gone on to say that there is no real contradiction at all for a Deadpool kind of um, a Deadpool three, and it isn't required to keep up the series R-rated standard. So this is what this is what um, Leach said to um, Yahoo when he was breaking down when he was um, promoting Hobbs and Shaw. It's rated R, so that's not necessarily the MCU brand, but he doesn't necessarily need to be rated R, and Disney don't necessarily need to make only PG thirteen movies. Uh, I think we'll find a happy ground. Now, I just want to put my two cents in here because I've seen a few people talk about this. And I just want to put my two cents in. This is I just want to sort of say this for now. I'm happy of them doing a uh, a PG-13 Deadpool. I'm happy if he if he joins the MCU and it does a bit of PG-13 stuff. You could do a lot of creativity. You could you could Explore a lot of things there with him trying to swear and then not be able to because we're watching a PG-13 film. But I just want to say for the solo Deadpool films, it's worked out so well so far. And there have been huge hits. Huge R-rated hits. Deadpool 1 made so much fucking money. And then Deadpool 2 made a lot... I mean, not, I wouldn't say a lot more, but they made even more money. Um, th- th- uh, in 2000. And- 18, I want to say it's 2018 it came out. How do I not know this? <laughs> um, yeah, 2018, I was right. Uh, I thought it was 2017 for some reason. I was blanking there for a bit. Uh, 2018, it made, a, it made, it just made more money. It made more money. So, I just want to say that why uh, fix something that ain't broke? When you can have another Deadpool 3 movie, that would make more money. I know that Brian Reynolds has gone on to say that he might not be able to make a Deadpool 3. We'll just see what happens. David Leach seems very keen to make a Deadpool 3. And and 
And it was this interesting that Bob Iger, just a couple of weeks ago, said that Disney is open to keeping um, Deadpool R-rated because they know it works. So I just say that why just why would you change it? If you just want to do it for Disney, and if you just want to do it to keep a PG-13, keep in the MCU brand... He put him in. You could put him in films like that. You could have him work with Spider Man. But I reckon just keep the solo movies R rated. Keep Deadpool the way he is. Deadpool is an R rated character. He always has been in the comics, and he's had his little side adventures where he hasn't been R rated. But originally he was R rated. His whole shtick is him doing adult things. So I mean, that's just my two cents. I definitely would recommend them keeping Deadpool R rated. Um, but, and if they want to do their own adventures with, um, you know, with, you know, X-Force or Deadpool, I mean, I definitely think that Deadpool 3 is going to involve a lot of X-Force anyway, but, um, David Leach seems to, he wants to make it, get a happy ground. I mean, I don't know if he wants to do get an R rating. Ryan Reynolds would probably want an R rating, but, um, I just want to say, keep the solo ones R rated. If he wants to have his own little side adventures, sure. In the MCU brand, sure. He can have that fun. Keep it PG-13. You could have a little stuff where he tries to swear and he can't. Maybe there's like a censor button or something like that. You can get creative with that. But definitely keep the solo movies R-rated. Um, there were some jokes that did get stale in the second one. But the second one, will say, had better stunts. Had better fight choreography. And it made money again. It made, made money. Gotta say it twice. Too. <laughs> it made money. So why stop it? <laughs> why stop it when, you know... Otherwise, you're just going to get bored. You just get the same thing over and over again. I mean, I know that people are already getting sick of the MCU. They're already getting... We've had Endgame finished, but they're just going to keep chugging along. They're just going to keep making them. Black Widow comes out fucking May of next year. They don't take a year off. There's no years off. We're still going to get them. So... And Deadpool was always the one to go to if you wanted something... If you wanted just something a bit more, you know up your alley and um something you'd have a lot more i mean you could have a fun some, some a, a good adult time let's just say that a good adult time um and if we keep on Rhett reese and paul wernick i think we'll be fine so that's just what i want to say about that um yeah i, I remember having a, a heated argument with someone the other day about it and uh yeah no i, I really wish we just don't don't stop it if it doesn't need to be if it doesn't need to be changed if it doesn't need to be modified just just make another one i feel i reckon finish at three but keep three already there's no need to go pg-13 disney got up got away with before when they when they were uh, did when they owned miramax and touchstone so maybe do it in a different studio but keep it under the disney banner there's always that um and i wouldn't i think Iger said that he wanted to reach out to families. Why? Deadpool is not a family character. He's not. He's more for the kind of... He's more for the adults. And he, will, he always has been. So... And if the, if you want to show me some issues... I mean, sure, there's some issues and some spin-offs where he wasn't. But he himself has always been that. That's always been his thing. And I, I don't know why he want to... Just reach out to families. I know you want to make some more money, but haven't you got enough already? You have the whole MCU. We have even we have a slew of MCU movies coming out next year. That's probably going to make even more money—a billion. Spider-Man just crossed the fucking billion a, week, a couple of weeks ago. 
So, Jesus. Rise of the Skywalker is probably going to make even more money when it comes out in Christmas. Um, but yeah, that's it. I'll leave it there. I'll, I'll, I'll just keep going otherwise. Um, look, guys, that's going to do it. That's going to do it for this uh, for today's uh, for that, today's podcast. I won't say this week's, but today's podcast. Um, if you got through the rent, uh, the rant there, uh, congratulations. Thanks. Thanks for uh, listening to me there. Um, do check out both movies. Uh, Brightburn could be something different if you want. If you're kind of sick of the superhero genre, but kind of want, you do like it, but you want something different. Brightburn could be for you if you love a bit of graphic violence as well, getting a bit, getting a bit gritty and dirty. Get on, get on down to uh, see Brightburn, and The Hobbs and Shaw is a great, dumb, fun time if you want to have just uh, have a great popcorn, a good, good popcorn flick, good weekend, good weekend movie. Hobbs and Shaw is definitely the one to go watch. Um, now, guys. If you haven't already, follow the KC Movies Podcast on Instagram. You'll find all your updates on there. Um, my announcement for this week as well went up on there as well. My story um, saying that there's going to be two episodes uh, this week. So if you haven't done that already, jump on Instagram, follow that podcast page. Um, and also make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts and follow me on Spotify. KC at the Movies Podcast on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. Uh, you follow on Spotify, you subscribe on Apple Podcasts. Uh, it's different, but sure. Um, and I tried, look, I tried to start releasing these on YouTube as well, on my YouTube channel um, that's named Killer Clown Sunday. But um, I think I might do that when I get, because I'm eventually I'm going to get a camera when I uh, have guests on. So I'm going to get a camera and actually record these things and then put them on YouTube. But um, I think in a few, maybe a few weeks' time, I, ha- I am having a guest on. And I might do the kind of uh, video, the audio, I think it's called an audiogram, I think. The kind of audiogram versions of the podcast and, and whack that on my YouTube if you can check that out. And um, um, because I know a lot of people, that they don't know who's talking when they listen to this kind of podcast. And they don't know who's, I mean, if you guys listen to this one, you probably know what my voice is. I mean, you should know our voices by now. We're about fucking at least 80 episodes in. <laughs> so, um, I'm going to put that on YouTube. When, when it does, when a guest does come on, it does take a lot to edit as well. Um, it takes a bit of time to edit, but I'm happy to do that. I want to have a guest on just so you guys know who's talking and who's going to be, you know, who's talking at that certain time. Um, cause, and, and I'll try not to overlap. I know there's some issues with overlapping and everything. So I'll try not to do that. Um, but yeah, I thought that'd be helpful by putting that in YouTube when I have a guest on. Uh, I tried, as I said, I tried doing it with myself, but I think it was just too much work to do. And you'd, I'd rather just, you know who's talking right now. It's just me. So um, there's no reason just to whack it on YouTube there. Just um, jump on Spotify and other podcasts. And if you want to listen to the CastBox, um, CastBox, it's on CastBox as well. How about that? Right, well, that'll do it for today's one, make sure you do all that. Follow me all, on all those platforms right there. Like the like the page on Facebook as well, the public one. I'm not going to add you on my personal because people have tried that and I know. <laughs> just like the page. If you want to um, ask any questions, just message that page or you can message uh, DM the podcast page on Instagram. I'll be back on Friday. I talk about Once Upon a Time in Hollywood and Midsummer. We might do a Tarantino list. Who knows? But we'll get we'll probably get down to it on Friday, guys. So uh, until then, take care, and I'll talk to you on Friday. <laughs>